welcome to the Clairon Podcast. In this series, The Narc Behind the Educator, I and fellow narcissism educators discuss and share our own personal journeys with the narcissist and narcissistic abuse in our own lives. Hi, Adriana. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Claire. Thanks so much for having me. It's so good to have you. I love your content. You're very straight talking and the way that you use humor is so good. Thank you. Especially the blue wig. <laughs> a fan favorite for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm a massive fan of the blue wig. Amazing. So your mother was a narcissist. Yeah. What age did you realize that she was one? So I was like 26-ish when I realized she was a narcissist. Okay. But I didn't. I sort of went back into denial until 28-ish. Okay. How did her behaviors manifest when you were growing up? It was a disaster, honestly, when I think back okay. on it. Um, so pretty much she did the classic like parental alienation kind of stuff. So basically right. her and my dad had gotten divorced and okay. um, I was pretty much like a pawn in that whole case. So I figured out eventually that like the only reason she had me was to sort of get back to my father um, and wow. cause all the nonsense. Yeah. Um, wow. so, yeah. I um, was basically brainwashed into hating my father. So I was just like terrified of him all the time. Um, she would yell all the time about like anything and everything. Um, okay. She, yeah. Like there were just so many, there were so many ways that it manifested, but like, I thought it was just normal. Like I thought this was just how mothers are. Um, yeah. We also lived with my grandparents um, because my grandmother mm -hmm. had a stroke. And so my mother decided to take it upon herself, not out of the goodness of her heart, but in order to bamboozle my uncle with like their inheritance and all that when my grandparents eventually died. Um, mm -hmm. So we basically ended up living with my grandparents. I kind of helped my mother care give to my grandmother and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You know, everything, if I ever wanted something, we supposedly couldn't afford it because my grandmother needed something, all that kind of stuff. Okay. And um, yeah, pretty much she put me down a lot. She, um, you know, it wasn't really until I was like a teenager that things really got bad because that's basically when you get your personality and you, mm. start, you know, being your own person kind of thing. So she really didn't like that. And um, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, for sure. Once so, you start I mean, to get your personality. Yeah, she did not like it at all because narcissistic mm. mothers, they want their children to be extensions of themselves. So she expected yeah. me to pretty much be like her mini me. And yeah. um, I just remember her just talking shit about me to all of her friends who would listen. So wow. yeah. What yeah, age did this start? Like, like 12-ish, but I remember there was wow, a time okay. when I was 13. Yeah, 13, it was really, really bad. And um, okay. she, I would literally overhear her on the phone with one of her friends. I know exactly which friend it was. And she'd be okay. like, oh, I'm having so many problems with Adriana. She's just you know, she's just like ruining my life, like all this kind of stuff. Oh, and, like, wow. I just feel so guilty. Yeah. yeah. How was her relationship with her parents when you were living oh, together? It was awful. She like they would every night they would have yelling matches, the three of them. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure like my grandmother was a narcissist as well. Like she was just right. that shit herself. Um, my grandfather, poor guy, like he just wanted to drink his espresso and have his cigarette in the morning but like you know they would just always yell at him for some reason or another um so it was just like constant conflict 
And how did this affect your relationships with people outside of the home? Friendships? growing up? Yeah, so I had so many narcissistic friends. Obviously, I had no okay. idea at the time. Um, okay. I dated a lot of narcissists as well. And, um, you know, like when people were genuinely nice to me, I didn't know if they were just being nice out of like pity or if they mm. like actually liked me, um, you know, stuff mm. like that. Okay. And how did they see your mother when you did have friends? Um, She was on her best behavior. <laughs> If I yeah. ever had friends over, it didn't happen yeah. too, too often that I would have people over. Um, okay. Because, like, I wasn't allowed or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. I, I was not allowed to do a lot of things. Okay. Did she wear a mask outside of the home a lot? Was Absolutely. she very different inside and outside? Yeah. Absolutely. She was, like, the nicest person ever outside of the house. Um, mm-hmm. Unless, you know, there was a way to get supply or, like, embarrass me or something. Um, but for wow. the most part, she, yeah, she really played the um, the role of, like, loving mother and all that kind of stuff. And behind closed doors, it was a completely different story. That must have been really confusing as a kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What ways would she embarrass you? Um, Like, just, you know making fun of what I was wearing. Um, I remember one time like she got into a random conversation with some lady at Walmart about like, I don't even know what it was about like kids fashion back in the day and how like everything mm-hmm. I wanted was stupid. And like, they just had a field day, like just talking shit about it. It was like a random stranger too. So it was just like crazy. Um, oh. Yeah. Or like, you know, yelling at me in public. Like if it was my birthday, for example, like she would every birthday, she would make me cry. Um, okay. and just like embarrassing me in front of my friends and stuff like that. Yeah. Why do you think narcissists ruin special occasions like that? Because it's not about them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they have to make it about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And what would you say to yourself growing up? I mean, it's hard because you didn't know anything different, but looking back, mm-hmm. how did you internalize all of this behavior? Oh, I thought I deserved it. I deserved everything really? that my mom did to me and said yeah. to me I thought I was like the worst kid ever um okay. I was like constantly striving to get her approval and I never would yeah. obviously and then I just kept thinking that like I was just such a horrible person um, did you have any safe relatives that you could have a relationship with not really because um wow. basically yeah my mom alienated me from a lot of people so I didn't have my dad's side of the family at all and um okay. all the relatives on her side like they didn't like her but she played like the victim role and then she would sort of turn mm. me against them as well so I was very much isolated and I had no real frame of reference for what normal was and I'm her only wow. child as well so like I didn't have any siblings or anyone to really talk to about it yeah, that would have been incredibly difficult. Looking back, um, you said that you had a lot of narcissistic friendships growing up. What kind of age do you feel like you first started to make friends that had narcissistic traits? Oh, like right away. Like, you know, I just, yeah. I mean, children's debatable, right? If they're narcissists or not. Yeah. Um, but I guess definitely like in high school, I did not have great friends. Um, in elementary mm. school, I didn't really have friends at all um, because mm-hmm. I was bullied a lot in school. Mm. And I'm sure that like my mother really played a role in that, like, because she would embarrass me at school as well. Um, okay. And so, in what ways? Yeah, like, just like, you know, coming to the school and like, you know, 
making a scene, like stuff like that. Um, yeah, I don't remember too many specifics because I blocked a lot of that out of my memory. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like in high school, definitely I started. Like I didn't have too many friends in high school, honestly, but a lot of them like were not great friends either. There was a lot of like, you know, like the the, the mean girls, the catty girls, um, stuff like that. And then of course in like university and adulthood, it was um I definitely like I had I definitely had some like decent friends that were normal. Okay. Um and I still have those friends to this day. So I'm really okay. <laughs> but yeah. um yeah, a lot of the friends were narcissists, like even like my maid of honor at my wedding ended up being a narcissist. Wow. So okay, yeah. wow, yeah. Because it's hard when you grow up with a narcissistic parent because those red flags are so familiar that you don't see them. Exactly, it just seems normal. Yeah, and it's really common that with a narcissistic parent that you don't even realize that they're a narcissist or start to have that realization until you're well into your twenties or really thirties. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had no clue until like a breakup with a narcissist in my 20s. Really? Okay. Interesting. So in terms of romantic relationships as a teenager, how did that go? And starting to build your independence from your mother. Yeah. Yeah. So as a teenager, like I chose terrible guys um, yeah because I was I was yeah. made fun of a don't worry I did too yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was like definitely made fun of a lot in school oh, about like, yeah. my appearance and stuff like mm. that so like I just thought I was like the ugliest thing ever and so I wow. guess like in high school I, I got decent looking I don't know um but mm-hmm. I started getting attention from guys um I didn't really date anyone at my high school but like there were like you know online websites where like you could meet peers and stuff like that mm. which you know today it just seems like super sketchy that like that was the way to meet yeah. people back then <laughs> this was like the early 2000s but you know yeah <laughs> it's uh I always went with friends to meet people and um so basically like any guy that would give me attention like you know, I would think like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe this one is a decent boyfriend. Um, mm. So those, those, a lot of those ended up being like train wrecks type of stuff. And in mm. hindsight, of course, you know, too young to tell if a teenager is a narcissist, but would yeah. not be surprised if those guys are now narcissists. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, in young adulthood, I, I only dated one guy who was not a narcissist. Um, okay. And then I had a whole pattern of dating narcissists, like in adult relationships. And then yeah. I figured it out and then found my now husband. So um, I broke the pattern. <laughs> it's, it's possible to break that pattern. <laughs> yes, it is. Definitely. Um, was your mother threatened by you starting to have romantic relationships and having guys start to be interested in you as a teenager and a young adult? Totally. Um, you know, as like, a teenager, that. I sort of had to like hide it from her because like she just, okay. I wasn't allowed to do anything. Um, mm-hmm. But in young adulthood, like when, you know, I started having like serious boyfriends and stuff like that and mm-hmm. like, you know, having her meet them, um, like she would be, she would start getting worse with her like tactics like she just I just yeah. remember like anytime I was in a relationship with a narcissist mm-hmm. um she would start acting up even more and yeah I I think I have a theory now that as I'm talking about this that mm-hmm. she could probably sense that they were narcissists too and okay. she didn't want to she didn't want to compete for my attention so she had to like kind mm-hmm. of them away mm, interesting how did she respond generally as you because you lived with her until you were 
was it in your 20s that you lived with her? Yeah, I was, um, I was like 20. I left in 2016. So I would have been like 28, 27, 28. Okay. So that's a long time. Yes. Absolutely. So how did you start to break free and create an independent personality from her? How did that happen? So it was really difficult. I mean, I I already had figured out that my personality was completely different from her at like a pretty young age. Because like, there were just so many contradictions that didn't make sense. But of course, I gaslighted myself a lot. Yeah. Um, in terms of breaking free, it was really, really hard for me to do because my mother financially yeah. abused me as well. So I okay. didn't really have any savings. I was in debt and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So because I don't ever idea... want you to be able to leave. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, you know, she even charged me for rent and stuff like that too. Like the wow. moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't have my own bank account until I was like okay. 24 or something. Um, and you were and working that, and the money was going yeah. into her account. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more Actually, about it that. It was like 22-ish. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, it was 22 when I got my secret bank account. Um, So it was yeah. like, you know, second last year or last year of university, I was bartending mm-hmm. on the side and I was making yeah. really good tips. And, you know, historically, all of my money would go into our shared bank accounts, but you know, obviously she had full access to it and could see everything. So if I were to, mm-hmm. you know, buy a shirt for $20, she would scream at me. If I went to the mall and bought lunch with my friends, she would scream at me. So wow. it was very Why? annoying <laughs> because I was wasting money. Okay. Yeah. And what would she spend the money on? Oh, um, anything like, you know, yeah. stuff for herself, trips, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so pretty much I got my bank account when I was like 22. Mm-hmm. And um, because I, I had all these tips accumulated from my bartending job back then. And mm-hmm. it was like, it was a crazy amount of money at the time, like $600 or something just cash. And I had been like hiding it in my closet. And then I realized, wow. okay, maybe I should put this in a bank account, but it's not going to go in my mother's bank account. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, screw that. That's not going to happen. So yeah. I realized, oh, I'm over the age of 18. So I basically just literally walked into the bank, brought my ID and opened up my own account didn't wow. tell her <laughs> and okay. yeah I like had money saved for the first time in yeah. my life but eventually she found out about that because obviously the checks weren't going into her account anymore and so mm-hmm. she started to charge me rent and wow. okay yeah she charged me like $800 of rent and this was like the early 2010s late 2000s so okay. you can imagine like you know rent's expensive in Toronto but that was basically like above market rate back then for, wow. you know, like I could have rented a room in like a house with like random people, which, you know, sounds dangerous, but would have been a better option than living with yeah. my mother. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was, it was really like financially crippling for me. And, um, I basically had been in so much debt from living with her and yep. paying her every month. She even would, um, even like up until I was 27 and moved out, she literally would mm-hmm. take receipts from when she would go grocery shopping. And at month end, she would split them in the middle and bill me for half of like wow. grocery. Yeah. Plus yeah. rent, plus like auto, like my car stuff was like all in her name. 
plus like the heating bill, plus like just every bill you can Mm. possibly imagine, even like the water heater that was like $12 a month, she would literally charge me $6 a month for it. So I was just like, not able to save money at all. And I didn't know this wasn't normal. Right? Like Mm. I felt like, oh, my mom's doing me such a big favor, letting me live at her house. I'm saving money, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, But really, I was like funding her her nonsense um because that was my next question what were you telling yourself during all of this yeah yeah so I, was at normal. first yeah at first I really thought it was normal and then eventually I was like oh my gosh like I'm in my 20s like past my mid-20s at this point I'm still living at home this is kind of pathetic but like mm-hmm. I have like negative <laughs> amount of money in my bank account like this yeah. is just crazy like I couldn't yeah. figure out what to do um, yeah. or how to make money. Cause like I had decent paying jobs, like salaried yeah. jobs, like working in the corporate world, but yeah. you know, it was just, it was just not happening. Um, so mm-hmm. I decided to eventually take on more debt and move out. So what happened then? <laughs> how yeah, did she so, respond to you moving out? Oh man. So which time? So I moved out twice. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> the first time I only lasted like two weeks, um, and that oh. actually put me into more debt. So I actually ended up losing oh, wow. rent. She ended up. Why did I only last two weeks? Because she guilt tripped me. Yeah, and tell me about yeah. that. What did she do? So, yeah. So basically, she used my dog against me. So my oh. yeah, okay. my angel puppy Chewy. He passed away last year, but he was he was with me about everything. That. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, um, he was a special needs dog. So he was in a wheelchair. Okay. He was paralyzed. Aww. So, and like, yeah, he was just like the love of my life. And yeah. um, she came against me a lot. Okay. So when I first moved, he started, like, I got a few noise complaints because he would bark throughout the day when I was at work. Mm. So, okay. you know, that was nerve wracking for sure. So, um, I was talking to her about it. Cause like, you know, you're going to talk to your mom about stuff. And so yeah. then she ended up like, I don't even remember what specifically she said, but she basically like love bombed me and convinced me to move back into her house. She said, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, like, don't worry, things are going to be different this time. Like, you know, like the the dog needs a house. He can't live in a small little apartment, which would mm-hmm. have been fine because he was paralyzed anyways. But, you know, regardless, yeah. it was just like she used the dog against me so much. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like I just wanted what was best for Chewy. And um, so she basically like sort of bamboozled me. And I was like, okay, fine, I'm going to move back home, called the movers, moved back home, ended my lease early, lost you know, thousands of dollars in rent. Um, and it just really sucked. Um, yes. the second time that I moved out was 2016 and I was a lot more smart and strategic about it because in okay. 2012, I had no idea that she was a narcissist. I didn't know what a mm-hmm. narcissist was. And so yeah. in 2016, I knew exactly what a narcissist was. I had reached my limit. I was like, Hey, that is it. I am done with this woman. Like I cannot live here anymore. Enough is enough. And I didn't tell her that I was moving out until basically when I moved out. And um, okay. yeah, so she did not like it at all. I had a few friends actually help me um, move like a table that I bought from the first time I moved out. Um, mm-hmm. And like some other like big stuff as well, because I didn't really do like the whole moving trucks thing. I kind of did it very secretive at first, like okay. I just had like some suitcases loaded them into my car when she wasn't home and like, you know, started setting up stuff at like the new place. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm pretty sure it was like that same week or like the day of that I was like, oh, by the way, I got my own place or something. And like, she was just not having it. 
And so when my friends were actually helping me move, they came over, she started, she caused the scene. So, you know, right. to get supply, she grabbed yeah. my keychain, took her key off of it and basically yelled at me in front of everyone that I'm not welcome back at her house unless I have a formal wow. invitation from her. Yeah. Wow. Okay. yeah, it was wild. <laughs> it was absolutely wild. Um, and yeah, like we just, we just left. That kind of solidified for your friends what was really going on and what she was really like. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd say so. Mm, I'd say so. Yeah. Like my friends, like, they didn't really say anything about it because, like, it was just <laughs> such an uncomfortable thing. And, you know, I was just, like, really focused on just, like, getting the fuck out of there. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> when she love-bombed you the first time, had there been a cycle where she would sort of love bomb you to manipulate you and reel you back in? Or was that the first time that she kind of really laid it on with the love bombing? Um, that would have been like the most significant time that had like the worst consequences of me reacting to the love bombing and buying into it. Um, she definitely would love bomb me before, but it wasn't as obvious. Like it would have been more subtle where Mm -hmm. like, you know, like she would love bomb me a lot. Like if she needed something, like if she needed help with her computer or something like that, like it would be super nice and you know, all that kind of stuff. But this, that situation would have been like you know, a major, major love bomb. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to break away and it can be such a relief when they do come back and love bomb you. It's actually like relieving. Yeah. Yeah. So you've had a couple of narcissistic relationships. Mm-hmm. Tell me I'm a sure bit about that. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where do I start? Um, I guess, I guess I'll start with the last one because I, okay had no idea the ones previous to that were narcissists. So it was just Mm. like a very short lived relationship. It was like a three monther, but the Mm. most confusing one ever because the love bombing, it was like a constant love bomb, like in those first three months. And then it just like suddenly went to shit. Um, And uh, yeah, so there, and there were, there were some red flags too. Like he ended up, there was one night where he was like crying because he was in debt, like, $30,000 or something crazy like that. And it was like the first time he told me and I was like, okay, wow. And this was like, after he said he wanted to move in together. And I was like, okay, if you're in that much debt, like, how does this work? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And then I ended up being the bad guy for calling him out on that. And like, he was vulnerable and sharing like this traumatic thing or whatever. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So pretty much, yeah, all of a sudden, like after all that love bombing and, you know, wanting to marry me, wanting to move in together, wanting the white picket fence and 2.5 children and, you know, the dream, um, Mm -hmm. he all of a sudden one day was no longer attracted to me. Okay. And only saw me as a friend. So that was like, so I started Googling. Yeah. Okay. I started Googling and then I sort of went down that rabbit hole and realized I had a little pattern of dating narcissists. But like the ones I had dated before this one, it was it wasn't as confusing because like the the behavior was so embedded into me because of my Mm -hmm. upbringing that it was very easy for me to blame myself for, you know, why the relationship broke down and all that kind of stuff. And so it never occurred to me in those previous relationships to do any Googling, especially because they lasted a bit longer, like, you know, a year, two years ish, that kind of stuff. Okay. Whereas this one was like three months and I was just like, wow, like that was very confusing. And that's kind of what led me to Googling and then realizing everything. It was a catalyst relationship. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I had a really similar experience. I also dated someone who was like the most pathological person I'd ever dated. And it just, it was, it was a catalyst to everything that I'm doing now. Yeah, there's always that one, that one catalyst. Yeah, that's it. Lays you down the rabbit hole of narcissism and Googling things like, is my partner a psychopath? Yep, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Oh, man. It's wild how our stories are, like, so many of our stories are so similar. Yeah, they are. Um, What was some of the bigger red flags in the other relationships looking back that now you can say that they're kind of clangers? Um. I haven't thought about these clowns in a while. So let me rack my brain a little bit. One of them was like, like we were like best friends before we started dating. So it was like one of those things where it's like, I never could have imagined dating him. Mm -hmm. And it was just like out of nowhere, like he had feelings for me and, you know, Mm -hmm. confessed and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I guess we can Mm -hmm. date, whatever. Um, so that would have been a massive red flag because of like the love bombing. Um, yeah. and yeah, like just the, the, the contradictions really like, you know, we had all the same movies as our favorite movies in common, mm-hmm. like the mirroring and then the mirroring for sure. And then he yeah. literally told me one day that he was just humoring me when, you know, it wasn't we didn't have wow. all that stuff in common anymore. And I was like, what are you wow. talking about? Like when you first started dating, you said this, this, and this. It's like, I was just humoring you. And I'm like, wow. what does that mean? Like, what, why would you do that? Like, why would you yeah. lie? And like, oh, you're making it into such a big deal and all that kind of stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. That must've been painful. Legs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For sure. What about like crazy gifts or like expensive jewelry or trips or any? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So no trip. Well, actually, the one that I was just talking about, there were some trips, um, but like he, that was just a whole shit show. It was like just with just for a second with that guy. How long were you guys involved before he just was like, "Oh, I was just humoring you." Um. So we were dating for I want to say like close to two years. The first six months were perfect. And okay. then after that, it just, it just like, he, he went on a trip to yeah. I think London or something. And then all of a sudden it was like, he's thinking of moving to London and he's yeah. telling me like, think about what that would mean. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like, does that mean we're moving to London or we're having a long distance relationship? Like, I don't mm-hmm. understand. And then he got mad at me for asking him those clarifying yeah. questions. So that yeah. would have been like the first kind of red flag sort of thing. Wow. Yeah, don't ask me for accountability. <laughs> Rational <Right>. answers. <laughs> exactly. Like, how dare me? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. I just had to oh, get yeah. a clarification on that because that was yeah, crazy. Sure. <laughs> totally. Totally. It was just so wild. Like, looking back, it's like, geez, like, I wish I knew what I knew now. But hey, yeah, to like, you guys were in a full on relationship and he says this. It's like, yeah, like, okay. yeah I'm moving across the ocean. Like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Like, what yeah and it was like a yeah. friday night i was out with my friends and so he just you know he just wanted to ruin my time with my friends of course because yeah to make it about himself and he couldn't be there mm. to ruin it for me um mm. so he had to do it from you know thousands of uh, kilometers away um yeah but yeah in terms of like gifts and stuff like that um there was one guy that um i and this like it actually freaked me out to the point where i never saw him again um okay. we went on one date yeah we went on one date i didn't even think it was a date because like yeah you know 
he did pay and all that, but like, he didn't like try to make a move on me or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, like the next week or something, like we didn't have plans to go on another date or something. Um, but the following week he was going on a trip like down South for like Christmas vacation or whatever. And mm-hmm. he wanted to drop off a gift for Christmas for me. So I was like, okay, cool. So he like came to my house, dropped it off, left, like just very like. Was it after one day? After one day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was like already freaked wow. out that like, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I was, I was like not like looking for a relationship or anything like that at that time either. Um, mm. It didn't even feel like a date to be totally honest. But uh, so I opened the gift after he left. Cause like he just, le- he literally dropped it off and ran away. <laughs> like wow. it wasn't like he didn't come in. Like there was no conversation. Like he was like literally yeah. on his way to the airport. Um, yeah. So I opened it and it was a diamond heart shaped necklace. Wow. What? Was it yeah. expensive? Yeah, it was it was diamonds. So like, oh my gosh, you know, it was like wow. real diamonds, like from an actual <sighs> diamond store. So I was like bamboozled, and like it was in a heart shape. So I was like, okay, hey, oh like, my that's, god, yeah, like that's a little forward. That's a little weird. Um, and so when he got back, like he, um, I, I don't remember who messaged who, but like we had a conversation, mm. and I said like I have to get this back to you because like mm. this is weird like i can't accept like yeah like i cannot accept like such an expensive gift like this is too much he said like no don't worry about it keep it like it's just it's a gift you know people don't give gifts because they want something from somebody else like you know just actually narcissists do exactly yeah (laughs) so i'm pretty sure that was probably him like love bombing me and i'm sure there would have been strings attached if like anything had continued um but yeah i just stopped talking to him after that yeah so that was like the one bullet that I knew to dodge um because like the love bombing wasn't really to that extent with like the other guys like it was more like Mm. you know like we would go on a lot of fun dates at first and then all of a sudden like they're broke because they spent so much money on me on all the fun dates we had and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah so a lot of those ones where like they would say that they're broke because they spent all their money on you were they hedging for you to pick up the tab oh yeah oh yeah there was one guy yeah. oh my god <laughs> you're bringing back the memories this is hilarious yeah. <laughs> um, i'm just happy i can laugh about it now <laughs> um, right there was one guy who yeah yeah like the first like couple of dates like he paid um mm-hmm. and that like and i was never expecting him to pay for everything like i would always like offer to pay every single time Mm. and um he would all say no no it's my treat i'm taking you on a date all that kind of stuff okay. so like okay cool like whatever I'm, i'll stop arguing it's been five minutes of me trying to argue with you <laughs> and then yeah and then all of a sudden um he started like it was very like tit for tat so he would pay one time i would pay the next time and like mm-hmm. he was like he really like remembered the schedule and he even took it to the point of like driving like who's gonna drive and if it was my wow. turn to drive yeah even if like I wasn't feeling well or, you know, I was working at that bartending job. It was like in yeah. a different city and he yeah. lived in a different city, like further north from Toronto. And like where I was working was like west of Toronto. So like it was like mm-hmm. a solid like 45 minute to one hour drive. So I would be exhausted mm-hmm. from working until like two in the morning. And then yeah. he would still expect me to go to his place. And wow. it didn't matter how tired I was or how exhausted I was. If it was my turn to drive, it was my turn to drive. Wow. Yeah. 
What did you think when this was happening? I thought it was normal. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, to be fair, he did drive last time. So I guess I have to drive this time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's really that like entitlement, that complete lack of empathy. You know, he doesn't care how late it is that you've been working. Yeah. Which is so unattractive looking back, right? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. Now I'm like, how? Like, I wish I knew what I, like, I I just feel so much empathy for like my younger self that like didn't know. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Me too. So many people get into this place of like they're angry at themselves or they feel embarrassed or, you know, they hate themselves for what they feel like they allowed in a relationship. And it's so important to look back at that part of you and just see that you were looking for love in the wrong place. Exactly. And have compassion. Yeah. And I absolutely was angry at myself too because, you know, there's so much gaslighting out there that, oh, I should have known. Right. Because mm, according to the narcissist, I should have known everything. Right. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of victim blaming and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But then, you know, you see like when all of your relationships go to shit, who's the common denominator? Right. So, yeah. like, okay. Like it's obviously like something's wrong with me. So I would yeah. blame myself. And it yeah. wasn't until like I really did my inner work and my healing where I started to actually have empathy for my younger self. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I do as well. I look back at myself and I just want to give myself a hug. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Me too. It's just like, wow, you poor thing, you know? Like when you yeah. go from that place of like, I'm so stupid to, oh my gosh, poor me. Like, yeah. Not in a pity party kind of way, but in a, oh my gosh, like that yeah. poor, uninformed, like naive yeah. version of myself. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So how did you get into coaching? Oh man, so that's a long story. Um, All right, let's so, stop. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will try to close notes it as much as I can. Um, so, chronic pain is what led me to coaching. Which okay, tell me about. Yeah, I know that sounds very random. Um, mm-hmm. So, pretty much in 2015, I got my wisdom teeth taken out, and it mm-hmm. was just a slippery slope downhill from there. So, mm-hmm. I ended up with um, TMJ dysfunction. So, like the joint that connects your upper skull to your jaw was just like all Mm -hmm. in whack. I had migraines, um, neck pain, upper back pain, all that kind of stuff. I was in physiotherapy. Yeah. Like it was just a whole shit show. Um, my jaw wouldn't open in a straight line. It would open in like a zigzag pattern. Like it was just, there was a lot going on like physically for me and then things just got progressively worse. So by 2017, I had carpal tunnel and a surgery had carpal tunnel release surgery when I was like 28, 29 years old. Like it was wild. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, things just kept getting progressively worse. So, you Mm -hmm. know, if I got the pain in one part of my body, I'd have pain in another part of my body. So by, Mm -hmm. by the time it was 2018, I had, you know, all the stuff I just listed, carpal tunnel, TMJ, migraines, all that kind of stuff. Um, then I got like runner's knee, tendinitis, tennis elbow. I don't play tennis. I don't run. So so random. Yeah. That's crazy. All this weird ergonomic equipment at work, just like Mm -hmm. to like make sure like the posture was all good. So like I wouldn't have Mm -hmm. a flare up, but I still would have flare ups. Um, and then, yeah. And then by 2018, I started doing this treatment on my jaw to basically Mm -hmm. realign my skull to hopefully maybe not have any more migraines. It wasn't even guaranteed, but I was just like so desperate for pain relief that I was like, okay, like, let me try this. 
Um, and you know, you name it, I tried it. I did like nerve block injections. I did like Botox for migraines. I did like, you know, physiotherapy, acupuncture, chiropractor, like you name it. I tried it. Medical marijuana, all the things. I tried everything. And like painkillers, I had to stop taking at one point because I started getting ulcers. Like there was just a Mm. lot going on pain-wise for me. Yeah. And so then in 2018, October, which I will just never forget this. Um, I was, I had like this um, splint therapy thing that I was doing in my mouth for like the jaw treatment. And I had just started it. Like I was only a couple of months into it. And I had mm-hmm. braces for the second time in my life because, you know, you you just want to have braces when you're 30. Um, yeah. It was, <laughs> I had <laughs> braces really late as well. It's the worst. Oh, yeah. I had them when I was like uh, 10, from 10 to 12. Wow. And, like my teeth were perfect. Like everything was great. But then this whole TMJ thing happened. So oh, yeah. braces and like this jaw. The second time. Oh yeah, my gosh. Like, I was yeah. not thrilled about it whatsoever. Uh-huh. Um, so I definitely empathize with braces later in life. It's the worst. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, I got shingles in my mouth. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 At the right old Do you have support during all of this? Um, I was in therapy, but my therapist was pretty okay. useless. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of them are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's the sad truth, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, um, what? yeah. So, yeah. So I had shingles in my mouth. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, I'm sure, you know, shingles is extremely painful. Yeah. And shingles is um, is something for seniors to worry about. Like, you can't even get the uh, shingles vaccine until uh, you're 50. Yeah. So, yeah. And this was the second time in my life getting shingles. I actually had shingles one time when I was, like, 23 in 2011. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so, basically, but the shingles in 2011 was, like, on my back. So it was horrible. Okay. It was like the yeah. worst, but like in my mouth was absolutely like next level hell. Like it was I can imagine. Really yeah. 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 You it need your mouth awful. for a lot of things. Yes. Absolutely. Like <laughs> you don't know how much you need your mouth until you get TMJ yeah. in your mouth. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So yeah, I ended up uh so I, I like sort of paused with like the jaw treatment. Like I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, do any new braces, wires or anything like that because mm-hmm. I had just changed the wire and then I erupted to shingles. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. It was the worst pain I ever had in my life. Like I was wow. like in tears, like it was mm-hmm. horrifying. I couldn't have painkillers. I couldn't vape my medical marijuana because it was in my mouth. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the, like the shingles rash itself. Um, yeah. yeah. And then eventually, like, so I, you know, went on the antivirals and all that kind of stuff, but like the nerve pain doesn't go away. So um, I ended up with something that's called trigeminal neuralgia. And so it was my trigeminal nerve that was affected by the shingles and they uh, nickname it the suicide disease because that is how wow. painful it is. So wow. I was 30. Yeah. And I literally told my husband straight up, like, I'm 30. I'm already in this much pain. I am mm-hmm. terrified of aging yeah. at this point. Like, I don't know what 40 is going to look like if it's already this bad. And like, I can't yeah. take it at 30. So yeah. you might be calling yourself a widower in like 10 years. Mm. Just FYI. Wow. Yeah. But I'm going to do my best to make it to 40. Like, that's literally mm. what I told him. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I was just in so much pain. I wanted to die. Like I was mm. like dying in pain. Like, 
nothing was really touching my pain. And um, January of 2019 is when everything changed. And I stumbled upon something called the Mind-Body Connection. And so this is um, the work of Dr. John Sarno. And mm-hmm. um, it's basically the theory that any physical chronic pain that you have that has persisted for longer than six months, it's mm-hmm. no longer about the original injury anymore. It is about repressed emotions from childhood trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So I was offended by yeah. this, of course, at first. I was like, that's <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> I don't believe it. Like, my pain's not all in my head. And it's not that yeah. pain all in my head. It was physical. But no, it's it real. Was, exactly. It's real. The pain is 100% mm. real. It's mm. just, it comes from the brain. Like, the brain creates those pain signals because yeah. you have this accumulation of all these repressed emotions that you have mm-hmm. to push down to survive your childhood. And it's Mm. not like you become an adult and your brain is like, okay, let's release those emotions because we're 18 plus now. It just doesn't work that way. You still continue, you know, you continue repressing those emotions throughout your adulthood. And so after 24 hours of being pissed off that, you know, I bought this app for, you know, the mind body connection and to work through it. Like I literally thought it was just going to hypnotize me into believing I didn't have pain or something like that. I didn't look into it or anything like that. So of course, like, you know, I had like that buyer's remorse, but then I was still mm-hmm. obviously in pain 24 hours later. So I was like, all right, it's not like I'm getting a refund on this. So humor mm-hmm. me up. Let's try it yeah. out. Within yeah. four months, I was pain free. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that's how incredible. I became a coach. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I so started we... off as a pain coach. And, a pain um, coach. Yeah, that was yeah. going to be my question. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. So I was like a mind body connection coach. And um, that's amazing. Actually started talking about like my upbringing, being raised by a narcissist, how that caused me okay. to repress those emotions. And then I realized narcissism is an epidemic. And so here we are. That's yeah. why I'm a coach <laughs> to answer that question. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you started talking about your childhood growing up because you were talking about the repressed emotions and then that kind of transitioned into full-time talking about narcissism and helping people recover from narcissistic abuse amazing wow and you're fully pain-free yeah yeah that's incredible yeah like I get flare-ups every now and again of course and you know yeah I get headaches every now and then when I have a long day but you know I Mm. just like have those tools now to release whatever emotions are there and yeah haven't had chronic pain wow in four and a half years now that's amazing yeah yeah wow yeah so what advice would you give to the adult child of a narcissist who is realizing that their parent is a narcissist? They know what they're doing. They knew what they were doing the entire time. Um, Don't blame yourself. Like, do yeah. not blame yourself. Um, what are your views on no contact? I support it 100%. I understand it's not possible for everyone, right? Like yeah. know, sometimes there's, you know, legal stuff that you have to take into yeah. consideration and, you know, maybe mm-hmm. emotionally detached, low contact is the only option and that's okay. So I'm mm-hmm. not shitting on anyone who's not full no contact. Like I, mm-hmm. I was a mixture of low and no contact with my narcissistic mother up until mm-hmm. she passed away. So, you know, okay. it's, it is what it is. Like whatever your situation is, it's fine. 
Um, but you know, you have to really understand the dynamics and mm. understand what to look out for if you are going to stay in contact. But if you are able to go full no contact and you've got all of your ducks in a row, you've got all of your important documents, there's nothing that you would possibly have to go back to your parents for, like, you know, mm. your birth certificate or like some random document, like you've got all your stuff together mm -hmm. and, um, you're able to do it. Mm. spread those wings and fly and never look back <laughs> yeah what about managing the guilt yeah so that's where the emotional work um comes into play because that guilt yeah. is going to eat you alive and mm. you have to understand that it is decades worth of repressed guilt because mm. they installed the guilt button in you from childhood yeah you know like as soon as you were impressionable yeah. like they made you feel guilty about everything and so you're not going to be able to just let go of the guilt because you logically understand that you don't yeah. have anything to feel guilty for. You're still going to yeah. feel guilty. Yeah. Right. So processing that guilt is the most important yeah. thing you can do because there's a difference between acting on your guilt and feeling your guilt. And the thing mm -hmm. with emotions that no one teaches us is that you have to actually feel your feelings. Right. Because yes. You've been repressing yep. them forever. You know? 100%. Yeah. 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 And so when you're not feeling those feelings, like you end up with chronic pain or, you know, other mm -hmm. mind body manifestations of it. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, you can act on the guilt, right? Like, so let's say you decide to go no contact with your narcissistic mother because you realize like she's only going to like, um, hold me back in life. And you know this logically. And then you feel guilty. If you act on that guilt, you will probably end up answering her call when she calls you because she's guilt tripping mm. you and then yeah. you end up increasing your contact with her because at least now she's happy but now you're full of resentment mm. yeah right and you know, what's that, the trade-off exactly it's yeah. not worth it yeah so betraying yourself your guilt, exactly so feeling your guilt there's a huge difference where you know you recognize like okay i feel guilty right now let me explore this feeling which sounds very intimidating mm. Because like, yeah. who, who wants to, no do one wants to no feel one that? Wants to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so the thing you have to understand is that you, when you feel guilty or any unpleasant emotion, the first thing you want to do is stop feeling that emotion. So that's why it's so yeah. easy to act on it and you know, mm. break that no contact or, you know, mm. give in to the narcissist's demands. Whereas feeling it, and that actually prolongs the process, right? Yep. Whereas feeling it, the thing with emotions is that they only take 90 seconds to process. But the trick mm. is you have to actually allow it in and let it be there mm. and like fully feel that feeling and listen to what it's saying to you. And so if yep. you actually take that time, right, when you're feeling guilty, like stop, drop a journal. That's what I tell mm. all my clients to do, <laughs> right? Like do not make any that. decisions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't make any decisions when you're in like any sort of emotional state like just journal it yeah. out be honest with yourself even if you're like mm. what you're journaling is like i am the biggest piece of shit for disappointing my mother because now mm. she feels bad because the thing with guilt is that like you feel guilty because you believe that you did something bad so when you start exploring yeah. it you're going to bridge that gap between logic and emotion by actually mm. allowing yourself to feel how you feel and within yeah. 90 seconds if you're accepting it that emotion will start to dissipate. It won't be as intense. And then that's mm -hmm. going to create space for clarity for you mm -hmm. to realize like, oh, okay, no, I don't have anything to feel guilty about at all. This was all like conditioned guilt. This was all yeah. projected guilt because mm -hmm. my narcissistic parents should be feeling guilty for what they've done to me my entire life. 
But instead, yeah. you're carrying that burden and you, you're not equipped to deal with it because your narcissistic mm-hmm. parents don't want you to deal with your emotions. Mm-hmm. They want you to be bamboozled. Yeah, 100%. That's a really good advice. I love that. Stop, drop, and journal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Six. laughs> yeah. So, Adriana, where can people find you? What are your social media handles? And your website. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you can find me. Uh, my website is let's get your shift together.com. I love that. That's shift with an F. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All one word. And um, my Instagram handle and TikTok and threads, if anyone still uses that, I barely do. Um, okay. It's all let's get your shift together. I think I have a Facebook page, a YouTube channel. You can find yeah. me at let's get your shift together. But you have a better chance of reaching me on Instagram. That's like the main platform I use. Okay. Awesome. So let's get your shift together where you can sort out your relationship. Was it that you said earlier? Relationship, yes. <laughs> yeah, which is what it is with a narcissist. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoy this series, leaving a review helps others find the podcast. For more insights and resources, you can visit ClaireAuden.com or follow me on TikTok and Instagram at ClaireAuden. Stay safe and see you again in the next episode.